This show is created for adult audiences only. While our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information, on occasion we encounter a topic that we feel warrants a more direct communication with you, the audience. Today's material is extremely sensitive. It includes discussion, descriptions, or audible depictions of graphic violence, sexual violence, slavery, and lynching. We strongly recommend taking a look at the show notes for a more detailed description. This is difficult subject matter. Please take a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Episode 77, The Myrtle's Plantation Remnants of the antebellum South, and a lifestyle marked by the juxtaposition of extravagance and despair, privilege and subjugation, Impossible wealth and unimaginable cruelty can be found throughout the southern United States. The grand mansion known as the Myrtle's Plantation that sits high on the hill in St. Francisville, Louisiana is no exception. Cobblestone paths lined by 200-year-old oak trees draped in Spanish moss lead the way to the manor house through acres and acres of land. Along with this bloody history often comes paranormal activity of all shapes and sizes. A stain so dark on the history of our nation that the thought of vengeful spirits from beyond the grave doesn't even crack the top ten list of its scariest aspects. Could these miniature epicenters of humanity's worst tendencies be a transcendental weight so dense that it has ruptured the barrier between our reality and the next? Is it possible that the spirits of these tortured souls to this day stalk the grounds of the Myrtle's plantation? Less than 20 miles north of St. Francisville, Louisiana, the sprawling grounds that would come to be known as Myrtle's plantation was purchased in 1796 by David Bradford, who named the 600-acre parcel Laurel Grove. Bradford, a Pennsylvanian politician, fled his home to avoid persecution after his pivotal involvement in the Whiskey Rebellion. In fact, his actions during the rebellion earned him such a bad reputation that it took years to secure the presidential pardon necessary for his wife and children to join him in their new home in West Feliciana Parish. While the family would occupy the home for many years, It is hard to describe their time there as happy. Sadly, the couple would lose several children over the years to a series of yellow fever outbreaks. After some years, the couple would decide it best to cut and run. They sold the property to the Sterling family, 
trading in the humid Louisiana countryside for a small city home in North Boston. The Sterling family was one of the wealthiest groups in central Louisiana, having owned several of the most elaborately finished plantation homes in the region. The family's patriarch, Ruffin Gray Sterling, set out to bring Laurel Grove up to their standards. Comprehensive renovations began immediately, using all of the most sought-after materials available. The main house nearly doubled in size, and nine individual buildings were added to the property. When the project was complete, what had formerly been Laurel Grove was transformed into the Myrtles. Unfortunately, the great investment in the property made by the Sterlings would have no effect on the terrible luck that seemed to be laid in its foundation. Just like the Bradfords before them, the Sterlings went on to lose a shocking number of children to communicable diseases, primarily tuberculosis. The tragedies endured by the family did not end there. When the Civil War broke out, they of course allied themselves with the Confederacy. In 1862, New Orleans became the first Confederate capital to be captured and occupied by Union troops. Surrounding areas, including the Myrtles Plantation, were not far behind. In the fall of the same year, Union troops descended on the plantation houses of central Louisiana, ransacking and occupying the properties for months. In 1871, due to an unknown dispute, a Sterling family member named William Drew Winter was shot and killed on the front porch of the home. Whether this tragic death was the straw that broke the camel's back, or simply due to the Reconstruction-era financial pressures, early in 1872, the era of prestigious family ownership of the Myrtles came to an end, when the Sterlings sold the property to the first in what would be a long line of investors and businessmen. It was the quick-turn nature of these owners that eventually led to the house's ghostly reputation. Owner after owner appeared to struggle with maintaining ownership of the property. In the first 50 years after the Sterling family pulled up stakes, the plantation changed hands 22 times. In a region where comparable properties often stay in the same family for generations, this was bound to stand out. It wasn't long before stories began to spread about otherworldly apparitions, disembodied voices, and poltergeist activity. By the mid-20th century, the Myrtles Plantation was a full-blown dark tourism destination, and in 1992, that designation received a massive boost from what seemed like an innocent enough action by the owner. This simple clerical task would bring the old-world legends onto the modern stage. While renewing her insurance policy, the company requested a photo confirming the distance between the butler's pantry and the general's store, two of the property's many buildings. She snapped the photo and sent it in. A week later, it was returned with a letter notifying her that the photo had been rejected. The rejection letter explained that all photos used for this purpose were required to be free of people. Confused, the owner pulled the rejected photo from the envelope to inspect it more closely, and was shocked to find what appeared to be a female figure wearing a turban and a long dress. She was certain that no such person was standing there between the two buildings when she had taken the photograph. 
To add to the surreal nature of this situation, she noticed that the cedar siding of the butler's pantry was partially visible through the being's upper body. It appeared to the owner as if she had captured a real-life paranormal entity right there in her side yard. She was shocked. After conferring with a local friend who fancied themselves an amateur photographer, she determined that the best course of action was to send the photo in for analysis with the National Geographic magazine. This analysis found no signs of manipulation or alteration. The photo became wildly popular, popping up in national news stories, 14 magazines, and grocery store checkout tabloids all over the country. It was generally agreed upon that the photo depicted the plantation's most infamous entity, a young enslaved girl named Chloe. Tales of Chloe have been passed down through the owners of the land for over a century. According to the stories, Chloe was enslaved at the plantation while under the direction of Clark Woodruff. Woodruff was a law student who studied under David Bradford, the property's original owner. After marrying Bradford's oldest daughter and being elected the local judge, he took over operations of what was then named Laurel Grove. Despite his elevated public position, Rumors circulated that Woodruff was an extremely violent and cruel master. He regularly forced himself upon the enslaved women at the plantation. Chloe was no exception. When Woodruff found her eavesdropping at the door of his study, the results were horrifying. He demanded that she explain herself, and when Chloe could not produce an explanation that he found suitable, he dragged her from the house. By her hair, he dragged her through the yard to the nearest outbuilding. He kicked the door open and threw the woman over the nearest workbench. He pulled a woodworking blade from a nearby desk drawer and shoved her face down against the tabletop. He gave her one last chance to explain her actions, and when she could only produce terrified sobbing, he slid the knife through the flesh of her right ear, removing it entirely. The defeated girl dropped to the floor and lay there, clutching the side of her head as Clark Woodruff nailed the ear of a teenage girl to the door of his woodworking shed as a warning to the other captives of the plantation. In order to hide the disfigurement, Chloe began wearing a green turban. Having been ejected from the house, she now spent her days working in the fields. It wasn't until the family was planning a celebration of their daughter's birthday that the opportunity she'd been waiting for presented itself. Because of the extended guest list, the family was forced to bring anyone who had kitchen experience inside to serve the dinner. Understandably furious about the disfigurement and intent on getting revenge, Chloe ground a few oleander's leaves into a fine powder that she surreptitiously added to the batter of the birthday cake. But the best laid plans often go awry. Clark Woodruff would actually be the only member of the family who did not partake of the birthday cake. The result, it said, was the excruciating death of his pregnant wife and two young daughters. Days later, when Chloe realized that her secret would be revealed, she attempted to escape. 
in a horrifying demonstration of the societal damages caused by the institution of slavery. Chloe was captured and hanged by her fellow captives in an attempt to curry favor or avoid any violent outbursts as a result of her escape. In addition to the incredible 1992 photograph, Chloe has been seen by dozens of guests dating back as far as the 1950s. In the spring of 1987, Frances Myers was awoken from a peaceful sleep in one of the downstairs bedrooms. She was overtaken by the feeling that she was no longer alone. As the fog of slumber slowly cleared, she realized that a woman was standing over her at the foot of the bed. The woman's dirty green turban was illuminated by the lit candlestick in her right hand. This was, however, no ordinary candlestick. The light from the flame was far brighter than any that Myers had ever seen before. In fact, the light appeared to be growing. Soon it was fully illuminating the entire bedroom. As the light grew brighter, she began to notice the woman's old-fashioned dress and hateful expression. Tension began to rise as the woman's stare intensified. Beginning to worry for her own safety, Myers lunged forward in an attempt to shove the bizarre being back. The moment that she expected to make contact, the entity vanished, and the room was once again bathed in shadow. The ghosts that supposedly haunt the Myrtle's plantation are not limited to Chloe. Her victims in life seem to have made quite a few appearances themselves. Groups of visitors have been reporting run-ins with inexplicably dressed young girls for the last 50 years. Typically, the girl would approach the group, getting just close enough to secure their attention, before vanishing at the moment that they attempt to make contact. But most commonly, Chloe's victims, the wife and daughters of Clark Woodruff, are most commonly seen in relation to a large ornate mirror in the house's main foyer. The staff has, on many occasions, cited unexplainable handprints on the mirror's surface. No ordinary handprints. These are washed away only to reappear in different positions only hours later. On a rarer occasion, a staff member will attempt to clean the handprints from the mirror only to be greeted by a woman and two girls dressed in period clothing, staring back at them. Between the plantation's remarkable cast of covert characters and the near-constant stream of poltergeist activity. It is fair to say that the Myrtle's Plantation is without a doubt one of the most haunted places in America. With a past so completely dreadful, how could any of us be surprised? If ever there was a spirit with a right to be vengeful, is dear Chloe not a suitable candidate? In fact, We here at Campfire like to believe that there's a special place in hell set aside for rapists and slaveholders like the wretched Mr. Woodruff. We can only hope that there is some peace out there for the understandably restless spirits of the Myrtle's Plantation. Welcome, campers, to Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. We are your hosts. I am Ryan. And I'm Jordan. And now, the debrief. All right. Another week, another story. Yeah. This one's pretty brutal. This this one is pretty brutal. It's, uh, 
Yeah, man, it's it's tough to listen to. Like the first the first part about it, you know, like this getting cycled down, kids dying, stuff like that. You know, that's that's pretty <laughs> pretty normal for that period of time. Yeah. But uh yeah. yeah, just once we get into like talking about especially like the story of Chloe and stuff like that, that's where mm-hmm. it, it this yeah, it gets very dark. Yeah, I mean, we we haven't done a, a whole lot of discussing you know the institution of slavery in the U.S. Right, um, that yeah, whole for era. sure. Um, and this is, you know, this is like a hundred years before slavery has ended yeah. in the U.S. This is like, yeah, it's rough. It's, it's I mean, it's hard to talk really about, is, man. Like, just this this whole scene, and I think I think honestly, you painted it really well. Um, of uh, what was it? Woodruff is that was that was yeah. his name, right? This uh, yeah, bad bad it's bad dark. dude. Um, yeah, yeah it's, no, it's, it's super bad dark. business. And like cutting off the ear off this girl, and yeah, man. it's yeah, it's brutal. Um, I feel like the one of the hardest parts to hear was that she's ultimately killed by her fellow, you know, enslaved people on the plantation as just a way of like well like she was seen as a problem right and they you know was I mean? basically setting an example right yeah and they they just didn't want to like continue ruffling feathers so they just i mean yeah. which it makes sense you know especially for i mean imagine how how they were treated sure like during this time i mean Obviously, you have this guy. He's going in and having his way with anybody he wants, and treating everybody the way that he's treating them. Like yeah. imagine being, you know, someone on the inside. And I mean, it's yeah. it's almost like that mentality of like, you know, we have to fall in line, otherwise this could be us. Right. Yeah. It's. I mean, it's hard, obviously, for for any anyone in the modern era, let alone you know two white guys to like put ourselves in the position of what it was like to be you know one of them but like I I imagine that it's that it was something like that like in those situations I feel like the it was probably seen as best to just like keep your head down and don't make trouble and get through it right which is is unfortunate I mean like of course you know it's atrocious obviously we have people through history that made it a point to stand stand up against these things right yeah. These people, these, you know, like, acts and, you know, just uh, whatever, right? Just, you know, that obviously didn't care about what happened. It was more so making a stand, making a point, and, you know, like, yeah. which you really, really have to commend them. Like, I mean, especially thinking back and to this point, which I know now, obviously, things aren't like this. But, I mean, this is, this is, this is history, and yeah. this is something that you know we do have to think about. We do have to talk about. Like, you know, it's not it's not just gonna go away or anything like that. But yeah, I think that's what really like. I mean, aside from you know where we get into the story being a story that we talk about, like just acknowledging this in history and the the fact that like this stuff happened, which is ridiculous. Yeah, uh, you know, and should never have been a thing. But unfortunately, that's the world that we live in. Yeah, I mean, um, the era of slavery in the United States is the black mark of all black marks for our country. Oh, yeah, like, heavily. 
period. Nothing yep. even comes close. And we're a country with lots of black marks. Yeah, <laughs> and right. None of them even come close to I mean, this is obviously, this is like the terrible secret in the past. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. this is the... Like, this is this is a harder one to talk about because it is such a a very touchy subject. Yeah, but at the same time, it's yeah. a very sensitive, a very yeah, very sensitive subject. I guess the better word for it. Yeah. Um, and it's also not. not I mean, again, like you said, like two white guys were trying to like, you know, empathize with us and you know try and yeah. put our minds in the perspective of these peoples during this time and stuff like that i think it's like it's impossible to do at the end of the day yeah there's there's yeah. no way we could ever even like imagine or fathom even a little bit of it yeah but i mean you just have to basically you have to um do your best and what i try to do is imagine what it would feel like for you know the for the people i love to be treated that way yeah absolutely that, like that's as close as i could ever get to understanding mm-hmm. you know yeah yeah i agree i agree so with that out of the way you know i i yeah, want to make talk sure about ghosts. again we acknowledge we acknowledge that first i mean because again this is like you said this is kind of one of the first i think honestly this is probably the first real story that we've kind of like talked about so many sensitive subjects in one story yeah. um you know, which is which is crazy. So, yeah, like I said, it's it, we we just need to you know touch on that first, acknowledge all that, and then we'll uh, yeah we'll get in the discussion. Yeah. So, um, first off, like off the bat, I want to say that like the history, the like confirmed history, mostly does not support a lot of the like the stories that have developed over the years okay right so like obviously these stories have grown and changed and details have been added over the course of like 200 years right of course right um so like there's there's no historic proof that chloe ever existed which is not weird by the way i mean no um no it's because uh, there were there were records of slaveholders and what they you know who what property what was considered property at the time right was you know shifted back and forth bought and paid for and there were records kept but there were never any records found of her specifically i assume those records were probably pretty loose as well yeah Oh yeah, they you were. know. I mean, they were. You know, one one person out of five might have been yeah, noted down or something. Right? Exactly. Yeah, there are a couple other things that, like the parish records in the state, they have um, Sarah and her children dying of yellow fever, not of poisoning. Okay, but that was also, Woodruff, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's his wife and and children. Also. The record states that they had a boy and a girl, not two girls. <laughs> oh. So, like, you see what I mean? Like, there are lots of little yeah. things that have shifted over the years. I mean, but that's that's yeah. bound to happen, of course. I mean, yeah. you yeah. know, and, and who's to say? Maybe it was two girls. Maybe it, maybe it was two boys. Whatever. Regardless. Yeah. Um, I feel like this is like a... Um, 
this is like an exercise in myth making too <laughs> right it's, you know like because obviously there is some dark shit that went on in this place yeah oh i mean right? absolutely some yeah some extremely dark acts happened here and myths sprung up around those dark acts like they always do right yeah like and those myths grow and change and they're spread around over literal centuries um i think the more and, those things get passed down the more that they progress is that yeah if that makes sense right the more they yeah, build and I think off the stronger of it, right? they get exactly yeah. yeah yeah and i think um more likely the the longer they're passed down the more people know about them the more likely it is to facilitate like actual paranormal experiences yeah also so i think they literally get more powerful the more people hear them i mean that's that's kind of that and and kind of uh teetering off of this i guess uh that's that's where we get into talking about like these areas that have this history that builds up for so long where these these energies kind of build right and i think a lot of these paranormal experiences really feed off of that and that's what kind of brings them to life yep same and i think like you know this is as close as this is as old a haunting as we can pretty much get in the united states yeah that's this plantation was you know it's only 20 years younger than our country. Like, it's about yeah, as old as a building gets in the U.S. I mean, yeah, that's pretty nuts to think about, too. Yeah. Because, I mean, we've talked about, like, European stuff and, you know, like, these ancient cat, Like, the, the one that we did, I think it was in Ireland, right? And that Up was Castle. back at, like, 16, you know, early 1600s or something like that that it started. Yeah. yeah. This is only a hundred years later. That's that's crazy. Yeah. It's I mean, this is the oldest American haunting we've covered by far. That's awesome. That's awesome. I, I dig it. Yeah. I mean, I really um, I really like that, you know, the way that they've talked about it. but one thing one thing that stood out to me was that it was noted that people had been seeing you not only not only in this picture that uh the lady had taken but some people had, you know, accounted seeing these uh, ghosts, whatever, you know, over since like the 50s. Oh, yeah. But that was as early as was stated. So I'm not sure. Well, that's that's as long as they've been reporting seeing this figure that they that they've named or have associated with Chloe. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But things okay. have been going on for, I mean, definitely since the, like, super early 1900s. Late 1800s, early 1900s. That's when it started to develop that reputation because people would take the house and sell it. And take the house and sell it. And take the I house mean, and yeah, sell it. yeah, of course. Like, you have something like that happening. People are going to start to wonder, what's going yeah. on here that's making these people leave? And plus families having you know their children dying due to diseases and stuff like that i mean there's something you know it's going to be easy to associate something negative or evil with this place yeah yeah um i mean also in louisiana a lot of the enslaved people came from the caribbean and 
that so you have mixed into that you have the things like voodoo and santeria and stuff like that that they brought over you know and mixed their cultures there's a lots of lots of legends in this house about like voodoo stuff yeah lots i mean i could yeah i could see that yeah which i don't like to get super deep on because that's one of the few things that actually creep me out (laughs) is those like afro-caribbean yeah um yeah that stuff like i mean even even when we talked about like the the haitian zombies and stuff like that moving you know like that yeah i understand for sure yep (laughs) yeah um so there's this one story where okay so the plantation is reportedly haunted by another young girl a young black girl who supposedly died in 1868 okay in the house so um despite being treated by a local voodoo practitioner so she fell ill and then she was treated by a voodoo practitioner and now and died and now she supposedly appears in the upstairs bedroom where she died and has been reported to practice voodoo on people sleeping in the room <laughs> what <laughs> yeah man that that girl yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I don't even know where I was going with that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this girl's, uh, she has some lingering, pissed offness. Yeah, yeah, that Which, scares the shit I out mean, of that, me. I, I would too, though, man. Like, just it being, yeah. I mean, I could, I could only, again, just only imagine the way that these people are treated and everything. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, like that lingering for forever and i mean if you're you know if you if your only option is to just haunt people that have like dicked you over yeah shoot i'd I'd probably go out and learn some voodoo too (laughs) (laughs) just just really mess with people this is like a cross-section of two of the things that freak me out the most which is child ghosts (laughs) and voodoo (laughs) Like yeah, no child yeah. ghost is definitely one of my main ones. Voodoo not so much. I don't know. It doesn't it doesn't really freak me out. But I I okay. So here's the thing: is like the reason that it bothers me talking about like voodoo and Santeria and like the one that I won't even say the name of on the podcast. Um. So the reason that stuff bothers me is because I believe in them okay like i believe in the power that those people have i'm on the fence honestly um yeah i i'm i'm i can't say like i don't i don't believe in in that at all or you know think Uh that it's a possibility but like i'm kind of on the fence i think a lot of it is more so to get into people's heads yeah yeah and that which makes it real enough Right. Yeah. But like I think physically that mixed with the actual the actual influence they have on the world around them, yeah. I think is enough to scare me. Like That's fair. I, I That's don't fair. I don't like taking the risk of offending anyone who's who's a part of all that. You know what I mean? Like Yeah. Yeah. That's why it freaks me out. Yeah. That makes sense. It's just yeah, I don't know. It's it's one of those one of those things that uh 
It also depends on the area. You know, I think I think also has a big effect on it. Yeah. And obviously this area is ridden with things like that. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's like the epicenter of right, American exactly. Afro-Caribbean so, religions. Yeah. I mean, maybe in that area I would I probably I I'd probably be very uh nervous about it maybe. Yeah. 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 I wouldn't go like making an ass of myself in any New Orleans voodoo shops. <laughs> no, not at all. No, I actually that's <laughs> something I would love to like just, you know, just talk to somebody that's like really heavily invested in stuff like that. I think it'd be super there's, cool. There's an idea for a fireside chat, right? With like a legit New Orleans voodoo practitioner. Dude, that would be awesome. Yeah. Let me work on that. See if I can find someone. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. That'd be awesome. Okay, so do you want to talk? You want to hear some more of the legends? Yeah, the no, I, I would love to for sure. Okay, cool. So there's supposedly a, a big ass blood stain that is in the men's parlor of the house. Um, so you walk into this house into the foyer, right? And it's there's this big epic stairway in front of you. Okay, but as every old house side, is, right? Right. To each side, to the left and to the right, there's a men's parlor and a women's parlor, or a ladies' parlor, that are exactly identical Hmm. on each side of the main foyer. So in the men's parlor, there's this big blood stain that's supposedly, like, I don't know, person-sized. I was getting ready to say that's what I need in my life until you got the big blood stain. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So um, the legend says that they kept cleaning it, and it kept coming back. Okay, one of those. Like, yep. They would clean away the blood stain and then it would be back the next day. That's pretty traditional haunting or, yeah. yeah. The legend says that during the Union Army's takeover of the plantation, that a Union soldier was shot and killed by the owner of the house. Like, as he burst through the, the door. So that wasn't from uh, old boy that got shot on the front porch, the brother, I think no. is what it was? There's a legend around him, too. Okay. That we'll, that we'll get to. So that was the Union soldier that was shot as he burst in the door. But there's also sightings of a Confederate soldier who's been seen, like, limping around the grounds outside the house. And, like, it, some people will see it and call out to him, and he disappears. Huh. When you call out to him. That's pretty cool. There are also... Um, lots of legends of like footsteps unaccounted footsteps and there are always okay one in particular is these like clumsy almost like shuffling footsteps in the main foyer um like they're tripping and shuffling through the main foyer and it goes up the stairs to the 13th step Hmm. and then of course it's the 13th step right why wouldn't it be so this is the one that's tied to William Drew Winter, who was shot on the front okay. porch. So according to the story, after he was shot, he like stumbled back in the house and he shuffled up the stairs where he collapsed into the arms of his wife at the 13th step. At the 13th step. Yeah. That that reminds me of the uh, the 13 graves, right? Where you... Yeah. What, I, what, what does it go like? You walk and there's only 12, but when you look back, there's actually 13. Something Maybe. like that, man. It's been so long Or the since. other way around. It's one of them. Is, yeah. I, I don't know. Does a grave appear or disappear? I think it appears. 
and it's supposed to be yeah, yours. It's supposed to be yours. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yep. But I mean, everything happens in 13s when it comes to like stuff like this. I don't know. Yeah, it's supposed to be a spooky number, right? Why isn't it like 5 or 17? I or don't 2. Know. 2 is pretty scary. I mean, 1, I think I think it would be worse. <laughs> One's the loneliest number, right? Yeah. The loneliest one I'll ever know. Excellent. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay, so we're going to jump way ahead. All right. In the summer in the summer of 1984, the a film studio rented parts of the house. They were shooting a remake of a movie called A Long Hot Summer. The film crew spent hours clearing furniture from an area in preparation for filming the next morning. Then when they arrived in the morning, all the furniture all had been put back. Yeah, oh, it had I been put it. exactly in its place. So Those assholes. The staff, yeah, the staff claimed that they had locked the area to secure it for, for them, right? And that no one had been in there. Um, but this actually happened on four other occasions, along with the whole process being like they had missing props, they had technical issues. One of the, the director had a quote he actually talked about this in an interview and he said quote a heavy feeling that didn't match the movie's tone (laughs) like that's why he didn't that's why he didn't appreciate it (laughs) (laughs) this is just not vibing with my movie man yeah exactly ghost you need to calm down (laughs) 84 he's probably like uh, he was probably in like a coke fueled rage (laughs) <laughs> i'm just kidding i don't know who he is or you know doesn't matter it's the yeah, 80s it was the 80s though and he was a hollywood director exactly so i wouldn't be shocked yeah so they actually ended up cutting their stay short and they rented a different plantation house to, for reshoots later in the summer like they just decided we're not going back there <laughs> they were probably just annoyed that somebody kept moving shit back yeah, the furniture moving back happened five times total. It's probably somebody on the crew. It's like Bendy and Jefferson over there, <laughs> like, yeah, let's let's mess with old Martin here and just get him yeah. get him going. Just fucking with him. Exactly. I mean, that's what I would do. So rude. <laughs> It'd be funny though. And then you know the 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 tone of the place doesn't set the whole the whole vibe that his movie's going for. Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah. Sounds like every director I know. Yeah, all of them. <laughs> all of them. <laughs> all those directors I know. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like them. You know, I've got this. I've got this. Uh, this this book I keep of all the directors I know. Okay, so they, in addition to the moving stuff, they had like the classic poltergeisty shit, like the you know props going missing, and of course. Um, they had like technical issues with their cameras. Cameras and their sound. dying after they had been charged yeah. completely, fully charged. Oh my gosh! I don't even think those cameras had battery packs in the eighties. I'm pretty yeah. I mean, the, like those big ass like uh, the, you know, like the ones you carry yeah, around and I stuff. Guess. Yeah, they and had one of those to like have, ten pound yeah. battery packs. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah like you carried it in like a briefcase. Yeah, in like a over the shoulder. Yep. Bag. Yeah, just like the old school cell phones. Yeah, man. Yeah. And um yeah, they said that it was there were technical issues the whole time they were there. They were just constantly going through shit. Of course there was. So, 
in 2001 and we got some like some comments when we posted a preview of what of the ep- what the episode was going to be this week we a lot of people talking about the unsolved mysteries segment done ah. on this place back in 01 um they had their production crew also experienced crazy technical difficulties the whole time they were there nice yeah well if it's on unsolved mysteries yeah then i'll believe it i mean if whatever robert stack says is gospel <laughs> that's just a fact so did sightings ever go out here too not that i heard of uh, ghost Summer. hunters went out in 05 oh nice okay yeah back before they broke into like 17 different ghost shows yeah when it was just the one yeah i i would like to actually watch the the ghost hunters episode for sure just to like because there aren't that many photos of the inside of the plantation yeah house. i think that would be the coolest thing to see is just what this place actually looks like is i mean it, it is the first i've heard of this story too so yeah. Yeah, I mean, just getting, like, to see, like, the foyer and the his and hers parlors and... I want to see the big mirror. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This this reminded this like, this mirror thing. I mean, which is, again, very common in hauntings and stuff sure. like that, whatever. But it reminded me a lot of Black Forest, of them seeing, like, you know, either oh, seeing yeah. people in the mirror and stuff or, like, these handprints that... They can't seem to clean up because they're always all over the place sort of stuff. Yeah, the mirror portal. Yeah. So the legend around the mirror is that after the after his wife and daughters died because they were... Okay, so I should start. There are two different versions of the Chloe killing the family story. What are so, you leaving out? In one of them... In one of them, Chloe is attempting to kill Woodruff, the guy. Right. right. He's and which seems like a dumb plan to poison the birthday cake to just kill the dad. Yeah, that I kind of had that thought too. He seems Be- like the least likely person to eat it. That, but then I mean, you're also. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna kill everyone <laughs> exactly. else. Exactly. I mean, it's. Yeah. I guess it's all or none. Uh, yeah, I guess maybe. so. Maybe that was the mindset, but, who knows. So there's a that version which is the one you hear the most, but there's also a version where her plan was to Okay, so she had been working in the house before the incident happened with the eavesdropping and him disfiguring her, right? Right. Um but after that she was kicked out of the house and she had to work in the fields. So in this second version of it her plan was to get the family sick and then cure them like so she comes uh, out as a hero yeah nurse them back to health in an attempt to like win favor and get herself back in the house which I guess makes slightly more sense (sighs) if her intention was to get everyone sick Maybe. You know? Let me just poison you all so I can work my way back into, you know, your good graces or whatever. Yeah. So it seems like a backwards way of doing things. 
Yeah, I mean, there are lots of people, like lots of arsonists set fires so that they can be part of the crew that puts the fire out because they have the hero complex, right? Yeah, that's, like, uh, yeah, that's fair. That's, yeah. Um, and if anyone went through the proper shit to develop, you know, some mental illness, I think Chloe might be, might be it. Dude, just breaking, yeah. breaking off from this. <laughs> Going back yeah. and talking about like this this whole thing with the ear and how like yeah. gruesome that is. And like I wonder if they also let it go untreated after that. Like, did she just like bleed and he's like, take care of yourself? Probably. Or like did they I mean I feel like that wouldn't I don't know. I'm I'm not in the business of cutting off ears. Sure. So I don't really know how that works yeah but i would imagine like that's a pretty gnarly like gaping hole in your head yeah like especially for the early 19th century exactly like yeah so i yeah to me i don't know i just yeah i find that i mean that's like one of the grossest parts i mean aside from everything else that's going on like that was just like gross yeah, it's physically gruesome. It really is. For sure. So So the reason the reason I was clearing up her the possible versions. Right. So the mirror. The mirror and the foyer. The legend around that is that because tradition states that when you're mourning, you cover all the mirrors in the house. And they someone forgot to cover this giant mirror in the foyer. And it so it like trapped the souls of Sarah and her daughters, huh? In this mirror, that's the story behind it. That's fair. That's fair. I like that. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, for sure. I'm surprised that no one's like coming around and calling this a portal. I mean, that's when we were talking about Black Forest for a minute. Yeah, I was gonna say this is probably another <laughs> another portal. <laughs> and we've got yeah, them I mean, on the other side so yeah it's um it's one of you know hundreds of places that claim and they outwardly claim to be the most haunted house in america well of course because isn't everywhere yeah. yeah exactly yeah even when you go to like if you google like um plantation tours louisiana yeah the you'll you'll get like a huge three paragraph description of like all the fucked up shit that went on in this plantation and they, it's like it's billed as like a paranormal destination is it like one of a hundred of them though not really honestly well, it was grouped with like three or four others in the region and none of the other ones were like paranormal at all it was like come oh, pick wow. apples and like you know what I mean like normal <laughs> bed and breakfast style shit i mean well they they're they're trying to aver- advertise it as like more of a tourism thing so of yeah. course they don't want to say and meet you know our fellow ghosts right but this one does this myrtle's plantation like embraces it like that's what they're it should for. though yeah i mean because yeah. especially nowadays like people eat that shit up like you know yeah. like you hear of a place that's haunted it's like oh yeah sweet let's check it out I mean, you know that there isn't a plantation house in the South that is, that's still standing that isn't packed full of angry ghosts. Oh, yeah. 
without a doubt. Like, yep. you can assume if that's if that's if the human soul can linger and be angry after death, those plantation houses are fucking packed with yeah. them. Yeah, I agree. And and getting back to this negative energy, this buildup and yeah. stuff. I mean, what? I, I can't think of a place that would have more of that than something like this. Right. Right. You just, have what, like, um, you have like haunted, um, you have the hauntings associated with like the concentration camps right. in Europe. Mm-hmm. That's maybe on, that's like the only thing that I can think of that's even on par with yeah. this kind of setting. You know what I mean? I agree. I agree. It's just because, I mean, it, at that point, it's, it's all, uh, I'm trying to think of the best word for it, but it's like, it's all innocence, right? Innocence that was literally taken and yeah, just, uh, it was taken away yeah. from all these people. And yeah, I mean, dude, if, if that were me and I, I could have an option to just haunt everybody that ever like, right. Took that. Fucked up yeah, your life. Exactly. I would. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even the even the concentration camps, obviously filled with atrocities and uh, uh, as dark yeah. a history as you can imagine, right? But even they, I think, pale in comparison to the, some of these plantation houses because they're essentially concentration camps that stayed open for 150 years. Yeah. Like that's basically what they were. Right. I mean, you're and that, yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. It's, it's fucking crazy. It really is. It's it's one of those things. Like I think, and yeah, I just think this is this is the world we live. This is the yeah the country we live in to allow so shit like to that even, to be a thing. It's so hard to even conceptualize like that, like to reconcile that with the world we live in now. Like to think that there were people not that long ago, three people ago basically there were slave owners right like and to think that those people are essentially biologically the same as us yeah you know what i mean like they're just people i know it's It's... so bizarre to consider that there was an entire population of people that were like yeah this is okay yeah yeah man i i I, honestly I, i don't really have words for it like yeah it's one of those things again. Being being an empathetic person, I, there's no way I could yeah. ever be empathetic enough. Nobody could be empathetic enough to right to sure. even understand you know anything. But like, just yeah, human humankind as a whole. Like you know, just thinking about like how we as a as people can allow other people to endure things like that. Like yeah, yeah. It's just sad. It's sad. I mean, that right there is a. Uh, it's a horror story. Yeah, I mean, every... Worse than any horror story I could ever imagine. Right, like, we could never write a, a story scarier than that. Exactly. Um, every instance of... Every instance of... Of, you know, the subjugation of humans, or the degradation of humans, or these atrocities like, you know, the concentration camps in Europe, the slavery across the world not just in the united states like 
every instance of that starts with a dehumanization of a population, right? Yep. It's the same way we make war work. Yeah. Like, it's the same. The If you look at, like, war propaganda, it's, you know, look at World War II propaganda and how, like, atrocious the drawings of, like, Japanese soldiers and oh, yeah, of for sure. German soldiers, right? They turn them into actual monsters. Mm-hmm. So that they can be seen as, so people can put it out of their minds that they're actually killing normal people, here, like exactly. equals. Yep. Yes. And so there's this whole culture around the the human beings that they were transporting from Africa. There was a whole culture of like they're these aren't people. These are like less than people. They're right. closer to animals than people. That's what they you know. That's what the culture was built around. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what built the this ability for people to just go, well, this is okay. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, people have to think whatever they can to make themselves okay with things like this. Um, right, the, I, with the world they live I in. I had a better way I was going to put that, but I just it escaped me. Um, but yeah, yeah. It, it, it just you know it, it's it's how it goes, and it's unfortunate, definitely. Yeah, I mean, there's no way to to make sense of it, and there's no way to fully understand what it would be like to have taken part in any of this from either side, right? But, um, I I find it shocking with how how like filled the south the american south is filled with these places that have these super dark paths as the starting point of these like hauntings this yeah these legends of hauntings and this is the first time we've touched on one yeah really. i mean that's that's true that's true like and that's that's what kind of what we were talking about before is yeah yeah it's it's weird that this is now kind of coming coming into play and and again it's this is a story I hadn't. I'm not familiar with. Yeah, you know, that I'm definitely gonna try and at least see if I can find that unsolved mysteries case. Oh yeah. Um, but still, like, yeah, and this, these are you know it, when we talk about like a lot of these that like are important for people to know. Like, we think that they're important, and they're you know this isn't just important. I think th- this is obviously this is this is history. You know, I mean, this is yeah. a big point in history that we have to acknowledge and yet at the same time this can be turned into aside from everything else creating a horror story but lead up to now what we would normally discuss on this show when it comes like hauntings and things like that as a result of all of this yeah absolutely also we had like a fun little fun little tidbit in there for you uh, Civil War trivia buffs which is the fact that New Orleans was the first Confederate capital taken over by the Union. Most people don't realize that because obviously it's the farthest south. Right. And it's, you know, that kind of counterintuitive, but they actually took the Navy around Florida to take over New Orleans so they could use it as a port city to, like, to bring in supplies that were being shipped to them and fought from the, yeah, and then they were fighting from the south and the north and that's you know kind of how they cut off the western half i mean it, it's honestly it's smart yeah <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> those guys are good at generaling <laughs> <laughs> generaling is a sport 
Yeah, absolutely. That's what a lot of people do in college. <laughs> yep. Yep. But yeah, this is uh yeah, this honestly, it, the story the story was awesome. Um aside from you know how awful it is, but at the yeah, same time yeah. like I dig I dig the whole like Chloe with a vengeance thing, I think is awesome and I really hope that yep. that's how, that's how it went down. I know because I would love she to write like a, for sure. I would love to write like a paranormal John Wick story starring Chloe. Right? <laughs> just going through and just fucking like wrecking. Yeah, man, like wrecking everybody all these like, slaveholders. Yeah. Yeah. She should have been in charge of like just making everybody's food and she just starts taking them out one by one. Right? I'll be a Chloe Perfect. stan for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Chloe wins the day. Yep. Well, I think that concludes episode 77, The Myrtle's Plantation. Thank you, thank you, thank you. From the bottom of our weird, possibly alien, maybe ghostly, probably cryptid hearts for listening. We absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and events every week, and it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on. We want to get to know each and every one of you, so please come and check us out on all the socials. At campfire.tales.podcast on Instagram and Facebook, at campfire.totsau on Twitter, and you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com. If you love the show, please rate and review it. It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling. And a special thanks to Greg Martin at Reverent Music on Instagram for his contributions to the beautiful music that you hear every week under the debrief. You can find more of his tunes at ReverbNation.com slash Reverent. It's fantastic, fantastic stuff. Go give that a listen. And that's it. Until next time. I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember, campers. Stay weird. And trust in the unknown. unknown.